Hey, hey, welcome to this beautiful morning or afternoon or evening. Um, but nevertheless, thank you for listening and welcome to the show, Griff Talks Football. I know it's not an original name, but it's my show anyway. Um, so now, today, we'll be talking about, of course, reviewing week seven, um, which surprisingly, a lot of the games were not competitive. I was kind of disappointed with that, but you know, each week is different, of course. And then also reviewing, or not reviewing, but rather previewing uh, this upcoming uh, week, uh, week eight. And then some news and thoughts I wanted to share, and and, uh, we'll go from there. So, also, just FYI, we're getting closer and closer and closer to not only the playoffs, of course, because now we're in, now for this week eight, it's literally in the middle of the season now, and we're getting closer to... Uh, November and December and January football. Um, but also, we're getting closer and closer to figure out which teams are actually still in the hunt uh, for the playoffs, which teams are out of the playoff picture, which teams might surprisingly make it. Um, so that's going to be very, very exciting to look forward to and see uh, the games get more, hopefully, more competitive, competitive and more meaningful down the stretch. So... Um, but nevertheless, let's start off with reviewing week seven, which happened this past weekend. Also, apologies for publishing this on a Thursday. I did record yesterday, but it wasn't working out uh, for whatever reason. It wasn't uploading. So um, trying this again and, and see what happens and see if I can still fix the problem. Um, hence, recording a new episode over the same material, but hopefully a shorter episode, if you will. But let's start this off with Chiefs versus Broncos. Uh, the Broncos offense is terrible. Now, granted, their their best their their best offensive not so much strategy, but uh, strategy, but rather what they're best at has been running the ball. However, it's it's average. It's middle of the pack. They're ranked 16th in rushing yards. So. And I think they're ranked top 10 for for running the ball, at least calling a bunch of rushing plays. Um, so they're very dependent on the run. And I think that's been like a trend for any head coach that ends up being defensive-minded, uh, or at least has a background being a D coordinator and working throughout their experience working closely with the defense instead of the offense has been hiring offense corner that runs the ball a lot, whether it's power or zone stretch. It's not so much uh, of a West coast, if you will, in terms of quick passing or deep passing or what people may deem air raid or what people may deem as spread. Like a lot of it has been run heavy formations and that what that's what the Broncos have been doing. However, their passing attack has been atrocious, uh, not just on Joe Flacco. And it's, it's not like he's avoiding the ball, throwing the ball deep is that he's been inaccurate. Um, and the offensive line is one of the worst in terms of pass protection. So you can't just call go route like you want to and expect to have uh, protection long enough to be able to set up and throw the ball uh, 30 yards to 40 yards down the field because literally that's how long the protection would last on a pass play when you have a route going 30 yards or long- longer. By the time a receiver hits that 30 yards, that ball should already be released. But in the Broncos case, by the time that happens, most likely or most of the time, Joe Flacco gets hit or he's got to check down the ball. He's got to throw it more uh, faster than, than anticipated on the play. And in play action protection has been atrocious as well. So it's 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 not so much again like Joe Flacco not throwing the ball deep. It's it's the O line and of course Joe Flacco's decision and accuracy uh, that also impacts the passing game. Um, however, when this game occurred, I expected the Broncos to at least score twenty plus points, but it didn't happen. The Chiefs ended up winning thirty to six. Uh, the defense, you know, actually played well in terms of stopping the run because that's what the Broncos were good at. Uh, they were able to get to Joe Flacco, I think, nine times in the game. Uh, so, like, nine, sacked him nine times. Um, 
The unfortunate outcome, though, for the Chiefs is that Patrick Mahomes has a dislocated kneecap. I'm not sure if he has surgery on it just yet, uh, but I think yesterday he started throwing the ball, but he's still projected to be back and playing for the Chiefs uh, between three to six weeks. So we'll have to see um, how that how that goes. But nevertheless, Chiefs move on to five and two. Broncos are two and five right now. Packers versus Raiders. Now, when I preview this game, I talk about the running game of the Raiders versus Aaron Rodgers in the passing game, which is what it came down to. But, you know, you have Josh Jacobs running back for the Raiders who had over 100 yards rushing wise, and it was impressive, but it wasn't enough, obviously, going against Aaron Rodgers, who ended up having a perfect passer rating of 158 point something, throwing five touchdown passes, as well as having a rushing touchdown. And throwing over 400 yards. And it wasn't like pass heavy. Um, most of it ha- was play action. And then it was a two minute drill in, late in the first half. Where he started throwing the ball deep. And then it was like a short route to Vontes Scatling. Yeah, I think he, he had a five yard out route. And then turned that into a 74 yard touchdown pass. So all the work was yards after catch done by Vontes. But nevertheless, Aaron Rodgers had a damn perfect, near perfect performance. He threw the ball, I mean, he threw the ball 31 times, I think. He threw five incompletions. But at that point, like the Packers were up 35-17 and then 42-17. So the Raiders got it closer, like 42-24. But even with Josh Jacobs' um, 100-yard rushing performance, it... At that point, the Raiders had it to go more pass-heavy because at that point, they were playing catch-up. Most of the games the Raiders have been competing and playing have been more of a time of possession, taking the lead, and then just running, running, running. Um, but unfortunately, because the Raiders secondary is ranked second to last in the NFL in defending the pass or allowing passing yards per game, which is atrocious, um, very hard to just run the ball, especially the team is able to stop that. And when you're going against a very impactful and significant and amazing quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. So congrats to the Packers on winning that. Uh, Rams versus Falcons. Rams snapped their three-game losing streak. Um, you know, granted, they won 37-10. But it was against a team that has now lost five straight games in a row. They also lost Matt Ryan. I, I He may play this week. He may not play. It's due to a high ankle sprain. Um, but in that game, he got hurt. And at that point, it's not like they could catch up. And I'm not, and, and, and with the Falcons, they haven't necessarily been blown out of games. It's just that when they've blown a lead, they then play catch up the entire time. So it's not like they could just run the ball like they want to, which I think they're in the bottom league of rushing yards. And so they've been past heavy. And Matt Ryan, I believe, is a really good quarterback. It's just when you have a defense that doesn't play well and you can't get a lead and maintain the lead and then you're playing from behind, it's very difficult to do that because at that point you're requiring a very experienced quarterback and a backup quarterback got in and and didn't do too well either. Um, Rams didn't run the ball as well again, even though Gurley had over... 50 yards rushing, but he had 18 carries, but he also had a receiving touchdown. Uh, the Rams passing game, still good. Um, so congrats to the Rams. Moving on to 4-3. and three. And the Falcons are now 1-6. 49ers versus Redskins. Um, all defense and weather. Field was trash. It was wet and rainy weather. 49ers ended up winning 9-0, which, you know, you expect to be a blowout because one team is far better than the other. One team d- didn't fire their coach. One team is just tanking, right? Um, but it's very difficult to establish your, not so much identity because you already have established your identity, but rather trying to use your identity. What do you, what do you identify as? Whether it's a power running game out of heavy sets or zone stretch scheme out of one back sets. With multiple multiple wide receivers or heavy sets, multiple tight ends, multiple backs, right? 
Um, but it's very difficult to try to make cuts in agility or, you know, a jukes um, or even throwing the ball because you're far less accurate. It doesn't matter how accurate of a QB you are. If you struggle to grip the ball and you're trying to throw it for timing routes, um, very difficult to do. Uh, but nevertheless, the 49ers are able to get in field goal range for a couple drives and up winning 9 nothing. Um, Texans versus Colts. Uh, injuries impacted this Texans loss, but the AFC South still up for grabs. And I'll dive into this more actually later throughout the show after previewing games week eight. Um, but something you have to recognize, the Colts weren't able to run the ball as successfully as they wanted to. That's been their bread and butter um, since Andrew Luck has left. Right? I'm not saying Jacoby Brissett is a trash quarterback either. He's he's good, but it's been dependent on the running game. And the Texans defense, I believe, is ranked eighth in defending the run or at least allowing rushing yards per game, which is pretty damn good considering that their secondary has been injured. And it's not like they're trash. They're, I mean, they rank 24th in passing yards per game, which isn't for allowing, which which isn't good. But you have to consider that their secondary has been injured. They traded uh, a third or second round pick to, for a Raiders corner who will be playing this week. They lost two more corners to injury. One's going to be out for a couple weeks. The other is out for the season. I believe his name is Philip Games. Is out for the season. Um, luckily for the Texans, they still have their two starting safeties. Um, Tashawn Gibson and Justin Reed are still excellent. Just when you have depleted corners in your secondary, um, it can be very easy for an offense to just think and dunk short passes to avoid the safeties or manipulate the safety to try to get a one-on-one matchup or take advantage of a bad zone coverage by a corner who's inexperienced. Um... But, you know, although they couldn't stop T.Y. Hillen from getting a receiving touchdown, he was held to uh, just above 50 yards receiving, I believe. But other Colts receivers and tight ends were able to take advantage. And Jacoby Brissett ended up throwing over 300 yards and four passing touchdowns. I don't think he threw a pick. I think the Colts did turn over the ball once. Um and also recognize that the Texans are still in that game despite facing a team that was coming off their bye week and had two weeks to prepare for the Texans and took advantage of the secondary, right? They were still in a competitive game. I mean, Watson was hit several times and sacked three times, right? Um, but that offense line is going to eventually mess mesh so well that it's going to be very difficult to actually get to Watson, who ends, who's still as mobile as ever, right? And he throws the ball pretty well and accurately. He's reading defenses from week in to week out better than he did the previous week, right? Or for any game that he plays. And despite losing Will Fuller, they still have targets. They still have Hopkins, one of the best, if not the best receiver in the NFL. He just hasn't been getting as much targets because it's either been going to Will Fuller or other targets or receivers or tight ends and running backs that they have that can catch the ball pretty well. Um, so you want to have that as an offense, not just rely on one receiver. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to rely on Hopkins consistently. I imagine there are other receivers such as Kenny Stills and Kiki QT will play better. Um, but nevertheless, uh, Colts end up winning this game 30 to 23. Uh, unfortunately, Kiki QT dropped the ball. That ended up going in the hands of the defender. Great play by Colts linebacker Linus, uh, Lert. Den, I, I can't pronounce his name now. Um, but great player. Um, so the AFC South is still up for grabs, and I'll explain that in more detail later. Um, but nevertheless, that was by far the most competitive game for Week 7. Uh, Vikings versus Lions. Kirk outplayed Stafford. Stafford threw four passing touchdowns to one receiver. Impressive, yes. But there were some drives where the Lions could have taken the lead and took advantage, but didn't. And in doing so, put more stress on the Lions' defense. And because they're in the middle of the pack and they're not as excellent, Kirk Cousins 
ends up playing well. He always does well against an average or poorest defense. He doesn't do as well against a great or good defense. Um, and ends up throwing four passing touchdowns over 300 yards. Great, beautiful throws. And despite losing Adam Thielen early in the game, the Vikings still scored 42 points. The Lions only scored 30. And so, congrats to the Vikings on winning that game. Um, Jaguars versus Bengals. Uh, Bengals are 0-7. They look like they could be 0-16 and become the fourth NFL team to do so. Which, FYI, the Browns became the third team to do so back in 2017. Lions did it back in 2008. Um... And Tampa Bay Buccaneers sometime during the early 70s. And so, I think Bengals and Dolphins, I think, are currently the winless teams right now. I don't think there's a winless team in the NFC. I don't think there is. Uh, It used to be the Redskins, but they won a game, I believe, uh, against the Dolphins. Last week, um, or two weeks ago, um, but you know, defense is atrocious. Offense is atrocious. Uh, congrats to, to the Jags again winning that. Doesn't mean that they're a good team. They just took advantage and be able to beat down a pretty bad team. Cardinals versus Giants. Murray won, so the Cardinals won, but didn't outduel Jones. Jones. I think threw one or two interceptions and fumbled the ball twice. So. Turnover-wise, did poor against Kyler Murray, but he had more passing yards, had more touchdown passes. Um, still had an opportunity to lead the Giants to the comeback, but just, again, turned over the ball several times. Um, and so the Cardinals ended up taking advantage and beating the Giants, even though the Cardinals have a poorest defense. And when you have Shaquan Barkley, it, it just doesn't make sense to me how the Giants lost this game. Like, granted, it was competitive 27-21, but you're going against a poorest defense, right? You have a mobile QB and, again, Shaquan Barkley. So, it, it just it's it doesn't make sense to me how they still lost. Uh, now, Murray, I think, only threw over 100 yards or at least 150 yards. But it was the running game from Edmonds is his last name. He had, like, 150 yards rushing and, like, three rushing touchdowns. So, again, congrats to the Cardinals on winning three straight games. But uh, for this week's opponent, which I'll mention soon, um, they'll most likely lose the game. Um, Dolphins versus Bills. Closer than expecting. Like, granted, I know I mentioned that the Texans and Colts were by far the more competitive game. Like, this one was competitive, but it, it felt like, like, it felt like you're just playing with somebody. Like, you're just teasing them, like, oh, you're, we're allowing the lead, but then we're gonna, just going to beat your ass and then make you feel like trash and then end up winning the game. Like, that's that was the Bills. That was basically like a big brother, little brother situation, right? Because now the Bills were down, like, 14-0. Then they were crawling back. Then it was 14-9. And then the Bills ended up scoring a touchdown and a two-point conversion, 17-14, late in the third or early in the fourth quarter. Um, and then they got another touchdown, um, 24-14. Then the Dolphins were coming back, scored a touchdown. Then, get this, they went for an onside kick, didn't recover. Michael High was the one that recovered it, but then ran it for a touchdown to seal a game, 31-21. The Dolphins, of course, are still winless. Um, 0-6, I believe, for the year. Um, and then Bills are now 5-1. Um, they'll have a competitive game this week against the Eagles. Um, but it just, it was closer than expected. Chargers versus Titans. Was it really a goal line stand? Like the Chargers had the ball at first and goal, right? Only down by three points at this, at this particular, particular time of the game is 23 to 20. So you have a couple timeouts. You're at the one-yard line. All you have to do is, if you don't turn over the ball, you can just kick a field goal, a tight game, send it over time, and all this fails, right? Okay. Chargers call a run play, faking a sweep, handing off to Gordon. First and goal, stopped. Chargers running the ball again. Second goal, stopped. 
Chargers ran the ball again with Melvin Gordon. Third and goal, but this time he fumbled the ball. And the Titans recovered in the end zone, and it sealed the game. So, granted, you could say that the Chargers should have tried something different. Maybe a play action, right? Or maybe a different run play instead of running it up the gut. Maybe toss it outside. Like, of course, you can go on all theoreticals that they could have done something different. But, um... You can definitely argue that they should have taken care of the ball. And it, they didn't. And so that's that's literally been a the theme of the Chargers. Is that you see games on paper so far. And you think they should have won. But they don't. Because they end up shooting themselves in the foot with turnovers. Or they end up shooting themselves by getting in a hole that they're trying to come back from. Like example, they were down 24-0 in the fourth quarter with the Steelers. Who had a third string QB. Who didn't have an excellent running game? Who had an okay defense thus far playing this year? And you have Phillip Rivers. And you have multiple targets. And he still fucking lost. Like, great effort for coming back. But at that point, the middle left in the game at your own 10-yard line. No timeouts. And then you throw a pick on the second play of that last-minute drive to seal the game. So that's what it felt like. Like the Chargers had an opportunity to to tie the game or take the lead. And they fucking turn over the ball. So. Congrats to the Titans on winning. But it wasn't really a goal line stand. It didn't It didn't feel like. I felt like it would have been more of a goal line stand. If the Titans were up by like six points. Right? Or a touchdown. And the Chargers had to score a touchdown and then an extra point. Like, that, I would have felt like that was a goal line stand. This was more of Chargers shooting themselves in the foot. Because they were only down by three points. They were only down by three. So, again, congrats to the fucking Titans on winning this game. It's It's just been pathetic play by the Chargers. It really has. Ravens versus Seahawks. Uh, is Lamar Miller... Not Miller, sorry. Lamar Jackson, the MVP discussion. Like, the Ravens are now 5-2. and two. They beat Seattle at Seattle's home stadium. Right? They made Russell Wilson look like trash. He had the worst quarterback rating in his career, I think. Or at least one of his worst games he's ever had. He threw multiple picks. He got sacked multiple times. And the Ravens... Price could have scored a whole lot more points. Like, everyone's blaming this one player, Mark Andrews, for dropping a couple of passes that could have turned into touchdowns. But mind you, Mark Andrews has been their most consistent player offensively, not only at the tight end position, uh, amongst other tight ends, but also on the Ravens' offensive uh, side of the ball. Like, Marquise Brown is more of a boom-bust player in a sense of either having a big play or just having a terrible game. Um, but nevertheless, should have caught a couple passes for touchdowns. But the Ravens still won 30-16. to So it was a dominant, not only defensively, uh, from a defensive standpoint of view for the Ravens, but also the Ravens offensively were able to just run the ball down the Seahawks' throats. So... Um, I don't think a lot of people are giving credit to Lamar Jackson. Um, he's had over 2,000 yards scrimmage-wise, and that's more than like seven NFL teams. So I really feel like if he continues to play well, um, he might be in the MVP discussion. But he's playing the Patriots within two weeks. Um, so that if he succeeds against the Patriots, I feel like that's when they'll officially put him in MVP discussion. Uh, Saints versus Bears. Uh, Kamara was out. Murray stepped up. So this is a different Murray. This is Latavius Murray running back for the Saints. He had over 100 yards rushing, a couple of rushing touchdowns on the ground. Teddy Bridgewater took care of the ball, of course. And they dominated throughout the game. And so, yes, the Bears scored like a late touchdown to get closer. And ended up being like 36 to 25. But by God, not only did the Saints dominate, it was inconsistent. Play call, not so much play calling, but how do you run the ball only five times when you consider running a ball as your bread and butter, right? And then when you decide to go pass heavy with Mitchell Trubisky, that's either A, you you believe that you're, you're all in on your quarterback and you're trying to give him confidence, or B, you don't 
not so much believe in your quarterback, but rather in the offensive weapons that you have. Or maybe you see that was just part of their game plan. But nevertheless, Mitchell Trubisky performed, he was ass. He performed like trash. And so if he continues to play this way, I don't, and the Bears don't make the playoffs, I don't think he'll be on the team for the following season. I feel like either A, the Bears will sign a different QB, or B, they'll draft a different QB. Um, Because, like, it's a great overall roster. Their GM has performed well for the team. I just feel like he whiffed on Mitchell Trubisky. When you have Patrick Holmes and Deshaun Watson to be able to pick from. Like, at that point... I feel like Houston would have not, and, and this was a 2017 draft, I feel like Houston would have not traded up for a QB um, had Watson was taken by the Bears and had Mahomes. Again, were taken by Chiefs. I'm not sure they would have drafted Mitch Trubisky. Um, but, you know, that's all theoretical, and I don't usually go in for theoretics um, unless it's predicting the season. But nevertheless, uh, congrats on the Saints on winning the game. Uh, Eagles versus Cowboys. What was that? The game was 37 to 10. Like, what the fuck was that? I expected a very competitive game, and I watched it on Sunday Night Football, National Broadcast Channel, National Televised Game, and it was bad. I, I ended up shutting that game off around the third quarter, and then I saw the scoreboard after the game ended, but oh my god, that was bad. Yeah, Eagles are starting to look like they are not going to be in the playoff race anymore because they got a couple more tough games and they're they're dealing with injuries they're dealing with inconsistent offensive uh, uh, performances Carson Wentz has been inconsistent too granted he's by far the best player offensively for the Eagles but their secondary is, is ranked last in passing yards per game allowed which is terrible they're not getting to the QB the Eagles also turn the ball early on two straight drives in the first quarter, and the Cowboys got up 14 nothing. And then at that point, you had a feeling the Cowboys were just going to win this game, and, and that's what they did. Um, Cowboys are up 4-3 in the NFC East, but it's not it's not over by by any means necessary. Uh, last but definitely not least, uh, Patriots versus Jets. Um, Bill Belichick smiles on the sideline and Sam Darnold was seeing ghosts. Yeah, Sam Darnold has been catching fire from uh, the staff of the New York Jets, but they were the ones that allowed Mike up and then allowed that to be aired on ESPN of Darnold saying, I'm seeing ghosts, which you know, I don't think he should really be in that much trouble like for him personally. Feel like the Jets should have been at least not allowed that. Like, holy shit. Also, that Patriots defense, even though they've been excellent, I feel like they haven't played against a really good QB. Like, I can't name one QB that's that they've faced that is actually really good. I mean, they faced Ben Roethlisberger in week one, but he was dealing with an elbow injury. So. Um, but being 7-0 is not is something not to shy away from. I feel like the next QB they'll, they'll actually play, or at least face a really good QB, is, is Sean Watson. Because this week they're playing against Baker Mayfield, and he's been inconsistent. Um, but also Bill Pelichick smiling in the sidelines because he committed on purpose two offensive penalties. Um, but Adam Gates declined it. And because of the decline, the clock continues to run. So he's able to, Bill Belichick was able to run out the clock a little bit more to be able to end the game as fast as possible. And so it's a rare sighting seeing Bill Belichick smile. But nevertheless, just for trash. Congrats on the Pats and winning the game. And now we're going to preview for week eight. Um, I know that was like a long segment for reviewing, but there's so much details to go over through per game. I'm also starting to lose my voice here. Uh, but again, congrats for week seven. Here's week eight, previewing what you're looking for. Uh, Redskins versus Vikings. Just get this game. Skip it. Skip it. 
Doesn't matter if it's on Thursday Night Football being nationally televised. Doesn't matter if Kirk Cousins has a bad national televised record of like 4, 27, and 1. Alright. It's the Washington fucking Redskins. They're terrible. There's no way. I swear, they fucking win somehow. Oh my gosh. That's, that would that would be piss poor and that would piss me off. There's just no way. Just skip this game. Because the Vikings are going to dominate. Just skip it. Uh, Seahawks versus Falcons. Skip this game too. Skip it. Because the Seahawks are going to dominate. Because they have a, a really good rushing attack. And of course, Russell Wilson against the poorest Falcons defense. And the Falcons... If and, and if Matt Ryan does not play, it's over. And if Matt Ryan does, they'll just play from behind the entire time. And I feel like the Seahawks would still win. Chargers versus Bears. Uh, this might be another L for the Chargers. I feel like they'll somehow shoot themselves in the foot. Like if they're at first and goal, fumble the ball, game over. Or if they're playing and they bury themselves 24-0 and try to come back, game still be over. It's just inconsistent play from the Chargers. If there's one thing you're looking for is how does Mitchell Trubisky perform against the Chargers defense. If he can't, not, not only for the Bears running game, if they can't get going and if Mitchell Trubisky cannot make accurate throws against a really poor secondary, then the Chargers... Might have a chance to be able to just take the lead in this game and not look back. Or they take the lead in the game and they give it up because that's happened before. But this might be another L by the Chargers. But something to look into is how does Mitchell Trubisky play against the Chargers defense. Uh, Giants versus Lions. An opportunity to Lions climb back in the playoff picture. Look, they're 2-3-1 and three and one right now. But if they win this game, they just go back to 3-3-1. Three, three okay? They'll be uh, slightly above 500 because of the tie game. Um, but this is their opportunity. They're going against the poorest Giants secondary and a poorest run defense. You have weapons. You have on Johnson. You have Marvin Jones at receiver. You have Galladay at receiver. You have Hawkinson at tight end. You have weapons. You have Danny Amendola. You have Matthew Stafford, who, of course, has never won a NFC North Division in his life of his 11-year career. He's got an opportunity to get back in the playoff picture by beating the Giants. If they can't beat the Giants and they're relying on the Lions defense to stop Shaquan and stop Daniel Jones, and they cannot, and if they can't take advantage offensively against a poor Giants defense, then the Lions are going to lose this game. And at that point, I feel like Matt Patricia, the head coach for the Lions, I feel like he won't lose his job this year. I feel like they'll cut Matthew Stafford. I feel like they all will trade him away or they'll cut him at the end of the year if he continues to not perform as well or can't get the team ahead of the game and take care of the lead and extend the lead, especially against a poor defense. They have an opportunity to do that this week. If they don't beat the Giants, it's going to be a rough, another rough season or a lost season for the Lions. I guarantee you that. Jets versus Jags. Will Gase finally make a difference? He has made absolutely no difference for the Jets. He's got weapons. Le'Veon Bell. Fucking Jamison Crowder. Fucking Robbie Anderson. And then Sam Darnold. He has done absolutely nothing with them other than being the Cowboys. But that's it. He's done nothing. They're 1-6. The game's over. Doesn't matter playing against the fucking Jacks. But if that's one thing to look into is how does Adam Gaze perform as a coach? Who is also the offensive play caller. <laughs> I I got nothing else for you. Because the Jaguars still have a good defense. Right? The games they've lost have been two good competitive playoff potential teams. Including the Texans. So... I don't, like, if Gase doesn't make a difference, they'll, the Jets will lose. Um, Bengals versus Rams. Um, I guess one thing looking to is, will Gurley have 100 yards rushing in this game? Will he actually have 100 yards rushing? That's something to look into. I don't think he's, I feel like he, his best performance was against the Panthers. And I think he had over 80 or 90 yards rushing at the most. But he still hasn't had 100 yards rushing. This is an opportunity to do that against the Bengals. And 0-17, right? The only way the Bengals will be able to win this game is through their passing attack because the Rams secondary has been porous. 
they need to avoid Jalen Ramsey. They need to be able to throw the ball quickly and avoid the Rams' pass rush. And then try to somehow keep a balance with Joe Mixon. I'm not saying run the ball with Joe Mixon. Yes, he is a running back, but the running game has been bad. I'm saying that they probably should stick more with the passing game and get Joe Mixon as a receiving back. That's probably going to be the bread and butter and beat the Rams. Otherwise, if the Rams can successfully, can successfully run the ball with Gurley and be able to control the clock or continue to successfully pass the ball with no problem, they'll win. That's something that's that's something to look into, or at least that will probably be the theme of that game. Uh, Titans versus Bucks. Uh, another good game by Ryan Tannehill. He played okay against the Chargers. Bucks are still an inconsistent team, but the Bucks are coming off a bye week. They have two weeks to prepare for the Titans and to see how Ryan Tannehill does in the offense. And, and Bruce Arians is a good play caller. He's trying to get the best out of he can out of Jameis Winston. So look for the Bucks to probably run the ball and at least make or at least minimize Jameis Winston's turnovers as much as possible. But that, that's something to look into for this game is will it be another okay or good game by Ryan Tannehill or will it not be? Um, Bills versus Eagles. It's going to be Carson Wentz against the Bills defense. Nothing to take away from the Bills running game or Josh Allen playing good. Nothing to take away from the receivers. Like we, I know that the Bills are going to score points. They can either run the ball against the Eagles with no problem or throw the ball deep as long as Josh Allen is ac- accurate, of course, against a porous dead-to-last secondary in the NFL with a speedy receiver in John Brown and with a good possession receiver and route runner and Cole Beasley, and they have other targets to throw to. But I'm saying the theme of that game is going to be Carson Wentz against the Bills defense. Bills defense, number two in the NFL for allowing rushing yards per game. Excellent. Uh, number three in the NFL on total yards per game allowed. Excellent. Ranked number eight in the NFL for passing yards per game allowed. Excellent. Ranked third in the NFL for points per game allowed. Excellent. And top 10 for forcing turnovers. And top 10 for forcing sacks. Excellent. Carson Wentz, it's he himself and I. That's Or me, myself, and I. That's basically what Carson Wentz is going to do. He's going to have no running game, really. right? He's going to rely on Zach Ertz as much as possible. But the Bills are probably going to game plan around Zach Ertz. Right? Deshaun Jackson is probably not going to return this week. So they have no vertical stretch. Or no receiver that can stretch the field vertically. Right? Alshon Jeffrey has played like ass. And then Nelson Algalar, who can stretch the field vertically, has also played like ass. Because he's not catching the ball. Really. Well, he's, he's not. He can pay millions of dollars and he's dropping it. Fucking terrible. But, um... And the Eagles' pass protection has been inconsistent. But that's... That's something it, it's it, to look into, and that's going to be the overall theme. It's going to be how how can Carson Wentz perform against the Bills' amazing defense? Uh, Broncos versus Colts. It's going to be Broncos defense against Colts offense. Broncos, although they have a middle to average run defense, and the Colts will probably take advantage of that. They will not take advantage of the secondary. Broncos secondary has been amazing. They're they're all healthy. They're ranked number three in the NFL for passing yards allowed per game, which is fucking excellent. And on top of that, they're in top 10 in points per allowed per game. And I know they're in the bottom league for sacks, but they still force turnovers. And so that's the only way that's going to keep the Broncos as a team as a whole in this game is by an extra performance by defense and at least a good rushing attack by the Broncos offense. Either A, get in the field goal range or actually score a touchdown. That's the only way to beat the Colts. That's the only way. Because if not, the Colts are just going to run the ball with no problem and they'll eventually find a big play and play action. Um, But by God, and the Colts are at home, but that's the only way really is how can the Broncos perform or at least win this game and it's going to be by their defense and the running attack of the Broncos. Cardinals versus Saints. Uh, pass protection is key for the Cardinals against an excellent Saints pass rush with Cameron Jordan 
as the DN. That's that's what's going to come down to. Panthers versus 49ers. Similar to a Carson Wentz versus Bills defense. Only this time, this is a Chris McCaffrey running back for the Panthers against an excellent 49ers defense. This might be an only opportunity, or at least a rare opportunity until the next couple weeks to actually see the 49ers lose this game. Or at least have their first loss in the season. Right now they're 6-0. They're going against a Panthers team that's not only coming off a bye, they're 4-2 and still had two weeks to prepare for the 49ers. The uh, Panthers defense is also excellent. They're in the top 10 for everything. Points per game, passing yards allowed, rushing yards allowed, forcing turnovers, number one in sacks. Um, and now Kyle Shanahan, the head coach for 49ers, is also the offense play caller, is going to use his own stretch scheme and many heavy or eye formations slash personnel sets. And he's going to try and establish a run to be able to do play action. Um, as creative and as unique and as excellent as possible. Because um, otherwise, I think if you're going to require Jimmy Garoppolo to go pass heavy, um, that's going to be very difficult. I'm not saying the 49ers O-line is trash or anything, but if you're going against an excellent D-line, it's going to be very difficult to protect your QB or try to get some push. That way, the running back is an opportunity to cut up the middle or outside to get some rushing yards. Um, but that's going to be a theme of this game is how does the 49ers defense perform against Christian McCaffrey? That's, that's literally it there. Raiders versus Texans. It's going to be Deshaun Watson against Derek Carr. That's literally what's going to be it. Uh, Raiders secondary is ranked 31st in the NFL on passing yards allowed. Deshaun Watson still has weapons to throw to, still has fast receivers to throw to, has tall receivers to throw to, has excellent tight ends, although they haven't been getting the ball much as of late, still have tight ends and running backs to throw to. Right? Yes, Will Fuller is out. He's going to be out for a couple weeks with a hamstring injury. Nevertheless, though, still has uh, targets to throw to. Hawkins is one of the best receivers in the game. He's got an advantage to take care, uh, or at least take advantage of young quarters, or at least get double or triple teams on him to get other receivers wide open. So those receivers or tight ends or running backs need to catch the ball to be able to take advantage of that if that's what the Raiders are going to do. Uh, the Raiders have an okay rushing uh, defense, or at least allowing rushing yards per game, but uh, points per game in the bottom of the league, and their secondary is atrocious, and they don't really force turnovers, and they're in the bottom of the league in sacks. So this is a perfect game for the Texans to come out, to come back, or at least bounce back from the loss. They're playing at home too, um, but also I'm thinking this is probably going to be a shootout because for the Raiders. They're in the top 10 for rushing yards, but they're going against the top 10. They're going against the Texans who are in top 10 in rushing yards allowed, which is number eight, which is excellent. And so the Raiders are probably going to try to attack vertically against an injured riddle secondary, except for the safeties. Granted, uh, Lonnie Johnson Jr., a rookie corner, is probably going to be starting. They traded for a Raiders corner that will probably be starting at the nickel or as another or as a second corner on the opposite side of Lonnie Johnson Jr., right? It's going to be revamped in the secondary. They're going to try and make adjustments as much as possible, but that's the opportunity for Raiders to strike to only be in this game competitively, but to potentially win. Um, but I'm not saying the Raiders aren't going down, going down without a fight, and I'm not saying the Texans are going to easily lose this game. I'm just saying for the Texans to win this game, it's got to be pass rush, right? Forcing sacks, forcing turnovers, but it's also got to be having an opportunity to take advantage of a poor secondary. Like the odds are in the Texans' favor. Is number one, how do they perform? And number two, do they allow many sacks offensively? Can they pass block, which I feel like they can uh, for this particular game? And number three, can Watson take care of the ball and make great decisions? And can, and number four, can the Texans offensively, when uh, uh, passing the ball, can they do their bread and butter? Where it's short to in-ready to routes, set up deep routes, or to at least set up the run, or to at least set up a play action. That's, that's going to be key. And then keys come down to, again, overall team is Watson versus Derek Carr. Um, Browns versus Patriots. 
Um, Nick Chubb versus Patriots defense. I don't think the Browns wanted to allow Baker Mayfield to get in pass heavy mode against an excellent Patriots defense that feasts on rookie QBs or second year signal callers. Um, it, it's really going to be relying, relying on Nick Chubb. The Browns are also coming off of a bye week. But even if you have two weeks to prepare for an opponent like the Patriots, that's even difficult to do because the Patriots can adjust to anything. And so then again, it's going to be how does the Patriots perform defensively against Nick Chubb and what are the Browns' identity going to be this week? I feel like it's going to be a lot of a zone scheme with inside zone rushes to set up play actions from under the center. I don't think it's going to be an RPO, but we'll see what happens. Packers versus Chiefs. It's going to be Andy Reid against the Packers offense. Andy Reid's working with a backup QB, Matt Moore. He still has targets to throw to with Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill. Sammy Watkins may come back this week, so he's got other targets and receivers to throw to for Matt Moore. But, I mean, Matt LaFour on the other side of the ball, the head coach of the Packers, is the offensive play caller. I'm not saying he isn't an excellent offensive play caller. I'm just saying... He's got options against a poor Chiefs defense. You know, run the ball with no problem, or you either pass the ball with no problem. So we'll have to see. Um, and then, last but definitely not least, Dolphins versus Steelers. I just skip it. I feel like the Steelers will win somehow. Like if you're actually going to see this game, it's going to be Steelers defense against. Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's that's really it. Who's the quarterback for the Dolphins? And that's it. I know it's been a long ass episode. I know my goal has always been to try to keep it short, but it's just a lot of details for not only reviewing the games, but also previewing. Here are a couple more thoughts. I'll make it short as possible. Um, again, as I mentioned this before, Patriots defense, it's great, but they haven't faced a phenomenal, good, or great QB just yet, right? Uh, NFC East is still up in the air. Just because the Cowboys are now one game ahead doesn't mean that they've won it, right? And the NFC East throughout the years has always been competitive. It's always come down to three or two teams um, to win that division. So I imagine the Eagles might still be in it somehow. And I also imagine the Giants might be in it somehow. Uh, as for the AFC South, it's still going to come down to between the Texans and the Colts. I know that the Titans and the Jaguars have opportunities to win their game and win their fourth game of the year to go to both go four and four. Um, but I don't think they're as excellent as the Texans and Colts. And I know the Colts beat the Texans because the more they were coming off a bye week. And number two, they had two weeks to prepare for the Texans. And number three, the Texans had an injured secondary. So the next time that the Texans and Colts meet, the Texans will be fresh off of a bye or at least two weeks. Um, or at least two weeks later after receiving their bye, so they'll be healthy. Um, and I think when they meet again at the Texans Stadium, um, it's probably going to be a better pass protection performance with the Texans online. And I think Watson is going to take advantage with the weapons that he has against the Colts secondary because it wasn't like they're doing actually well. Yes, they forced two interceptions last week against Watson, but you have to remember. Um, they're actually getting pressure that game. And even even forcing two interceptions, um, the Texans were still able to rally and at least make the game as close as possible and try to get a comeback. It was just the second interception was a drop pass by Kiki QT that ended up in the hands of Denny, uh, Darius Leonard, the linebacker for the Colts. That was the player I was trying to name. So if the Colts win... Like their five straight games after beating Houston, and they'll go, um, you know, nine and three. And the Texans, if they win the rest of their games and then face the Colts, they'll be um, eight and three at the time, um, I think, or some record like that. Um, and so they'll be one game behind the Colts, and so they have an opportunity to, to beat the Colts and take the lead in the division. But that's still far ways away, um, but I'm just saying the AFC South isn't over. Um, and then teams most likely have fired their head coaches depending on the success or depending on um, the failure of the team, really, too. Um, 
Dallas Cowboys with head coach Jason Garrett. If they don't make the playoffs this year, that's probably when they'll fire Jason Garrett because he's been there for nine years and he hasn't done, he hasn't won a Super Bowl. He's only won two playoff games. All right. Both the New York Jets and Giants with head coach Adam Gase and Pat Shermer. I feel like they'll fire the head coaches. I know that Jets will most likely not make the playoffs this year with the way they're performing. Because of that, they'll probably fire Adam Gase. Same thing with the Giants. Just because of the offense weapons that the Giants have, they'll fire Pat Shermer. Um, Los Angeles Chargers with Anthony Lynn. I wasn't going to put him in this list. Because this is, again, his third year. I feel like it's going to be one of those situations where it doesn't matter if you've been there for one year or three years. If you have a poor performance or at least throw me up to the ownership's expectations, you'll get fired. And I feel bad for Anthony Lynn because he's turned around that roster pretty quick to be able to make the playoffs last year. And be able to, on paper, be in the Super Bowl contention. Just right now, they're not playing well. And I feel like they don't really need that because that's so many head coaches that Phillip Rivers has lost and then gained. So it hasn't been consistent. Uh, Minnesota Vikings with Mike Zimmer. I wasn't going to put him here as well. But if they don't make the playoffs this year, despite having an excellent roster, I think they'll probably get someone who can make Kirk Cousins better or at least make the team better somehow. Um, or they may keep him and then toss Kirk Cousins away. Who knows? Uh, Miami Dolphins with Brian Flores. I feel like it's going to be one of those situations again. That's what happened with um, Steve Wilkes, who was a head coach of the Cardinals for the 2018 season. He was only there for one year and then got fired for a poor performance. Um, even though like that shouldn't really happen. Coach trying to establish a culture there and trying to get the program going, but unfortunately, that's not. That unfortunately, we have bad ownership and there is impatience. Cleveland Browns with head coach Freddie Kitchens because of the talent that they have, and I feel like they'll fire him if they don't make the playoffs this year and they'll hire someone else, but I feel like they should really hire Mike McCarthy if they do decide to fire Freddie Kitchens. And have a working relationship and wait and be patient. Let the coach finish his or her contract. Ugh. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars with Doug Marone. If they don't make the playoffs this year, they'll fire him too. Um, and then Atlanta Falcons with Dan Quinn. Um, I feel like they will fire him if they don't turn it around. At least have a better record or make the playoffs. But we'll have to see. And that is all my news and thoughts for the fucking week. Thank you so much for listening. If you're listening to this in the morning, thank you so much. Hopefully your morning's going well. If you're listening to this in the afternoon, hopefully your day has gone well. And if you're listening in the evening, hopefully your day has gone well. And you'll be able to get some sleep for the next day. And as I leave you this, remember to have a kick-ass day, fellas. And uh, I will speak to you uh, next Wednesday. <laughs>